What's going on, y'all? Welcome to episode five of the Half Price Concessions podcast. First things first, got something cool to tell y'all. We have a new partner on the program. It's Performance Center Racing Warehouse. Located in Statesville, North Carolina, Performance Center provides racers with just about everything you need to go asphalt late model racing. From being the home of the PRW chassis itself to a full-blown fabrication shop if your race car ever needs to be reclipped, Performance Center can also help you with shocks, setups, and top-of-the-line customer support. Give Roger Johnson and the folks at Performance Center Racing Warehouse the chance to earn your racing business. Just give them a call today at 704-838-1400 and visit them online at performancecenter.com for more information. That's performancecenter.com, P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Also, if you're not already following us on Spotify, download the free Spotify app and type in the search bar, Half Price Concessions Podcast, and click the follow button at the top so you can get updated every time we put out new episodes. Episode 5 of the Half Price Concessions Podcast with my friend Buddy Payne starts in just a few moments. Episode 5 of the Half Price Concessions Podcast and... We are going to break some outdoor ground. We are, I will not reveal the address of our location, but we are on the Guilford, Alamance County line, and it's too nice to be sitting inside. But Buddy Payne back with us again. Yes, yes. And if you hear a dog barking, Fido is out here with us. The dog is so new, it does not have a name. Yes. But Fido's hanging out with us out here on the back porch, and we are now through Martinsville. You and I got to go watch that race, eat some hot dogs, and hang out and whatnot and watch yeah. watch the same car lead all 200 laps of the feature <laughs> yes but it got us to thinking about big races coming up within a reasonable driving distance we're here you know alamance county kind of central part of north carolina so just kind of thinking about some races in the area that might be worth driving to if you want to kind of get that last race in before the end of the season and it's pretty cool bud because as i did the research and typed out the words on notepad because i ain't got microsoft word at my office uh, there's actually quite a few to choose from where you're not driving three three and a half hours and you don't need a hotel room you can go to these shows and they won't be too terribly overpriced or too far away yeah we are uh, very fortunate to have several tracks within a couple hour driving radius of us and uh, uh fall time's a wonderful time for a racing fan because it's kind of the end of the year guys aren't thinking about points anymore and they're just thinking about money and getting those last few laps in before the year's over with so got a bunch of uh opportunities coming up like i said within a couple hour radius here i think the best thing about this time of year is just that because things are winding down and there are fewer shows as as tracks wrap up their seasons or they've already been done for some time is that not only does it help the car counts get a little more ballooned but you also see in the stands, like when we were at Martinsville, I'm seeing people that normally would be at a motor mile race or a South Boston race or at a dirt race somewhere. And the bigger end of your shows, it just, it kind of opens it up a little bit more. You know, kind of like last year when we went to Lancaster, it was a great crowd, good field of cars. Uh, I think it was 10,000 to win 
I think it was seven I think, all star. Yeah, seven all star sanctioned super light models, and it was just a it was able to draw more because there's less competition when the temperature starts dipping low. Yeah, a lot of your tracks are you know they've wrapped up their season championships or you know they're pretty close to doing that, so they like to you know squeak out as many more races as possible. But when points aren't on the line, you know it gives guys an opportunity to branch out and. You know, you look at the master schedule at on uh, you know various websites, and you see less and less on the weekends. So, um, just gives them more of an opportunity. You know, and uh, throughout the year, I'd love to see traction to work together more. So, you know, without going head to head and competing, and we're seeing that some in certain areas. But at the end of the year, uh, you know, you might only have four or five races total um, going on on any given weekend. So, it definitely opens it up for a lot of guys. A lot of these you can choose from and hit bunch of them not many of them conflict but if you had to look at just one like if you could only make one of these kind of end of year shows that's in our north carolina south carolina virginia area what is what is the one that is for you the most bang for your buck without a doubt the world finals at charlotte um of course i'm a uh, I'm a motorsports fan, but dirt is, I guess, what I prefer if I had to choose. But um, even if you're not a dirt fan, know nothing about it, or been once and had a terrible experience, uh, if you're just a motorsports fan, period, um, I go to hundreds of, I've been to hundreds of races. That's the only show. I, I won't call it a race, I call it a show. You've got three of the premier uh, classes they're running. You'll have you know 50 plus in each class it's a very quick moving show there is very very little downtime when one one race is off the next one's starting um it's a phenomenal facility of course you're right there at the heart of concord with uh plenty to do during the day uh with the malls and the restaurants and all that um and the racing is just always spectacular it's a great track um for me that is the best bang for the buck in motorsports period i'll piggyback on that one it's 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 one of those ones that kind of reminds me of back in the day going to NASCAR races because if you are within kind of that four-hour window of the pits opening, everybody's out of their hotel rooms and going to get something to eat before we go to the track because we're going to be there you know, most of the night. Any restaurant you go to, any store you go to, is somebody wearing a dirt lay model shirt or a sprint car shirt or a modified shirt, and it's just like, like it's cool because you kind of – you kind of like look at each other and you give you like the little, the, the little like, hey, you know, you're there for the same purpose and it's not corporate. You know, these a lot of these guys are doing it, making a living, but they're not making as big a living as like the NASCAR guys or anything like that. So it's just, you know, and they're selling merchandise. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, to your point, it's seeing someone out in public, you know, it's just a great conversation starter. I've had some of the just best times sitting in the the free continental breakfast bar in the morning and just you know this guy's got this shirt on this guy's got that shirt on you just strike up a conversation where you're from what's your local track and you can sit there for hours man just telling stories and all that and uh going to the mall it's not every day you see somebody walking out of abercrombie fitch with a chubb frank shirt on so i was about to say that's a, that's a good time right there you learn stuff i remember there was one you got to take them with a grain of salt because there's there's a little bit of truth in some of these stories <laughs> somewhere, but n not all of them are truly factual. I know there was a guy, I think two or three years ago where we stayed at, and I think it was the year that the one of the nights either rained out or was severely rain delayed, and he kept talking about this track in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. It was like down in a holler, and it was so steep to get down to it that the guys had to drive the race cars down into it. And I was like, I think I kind of believe it. <laughs> 
I could not find any information on 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 the Google right. to back up the claim, but you hear all those stories and stuff, and it's just. If you've ever been to cool. West Virginia, it's very believable. Yeah, I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you got to pay to drive through the exactly, state. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I would probably, if I had to, if I had to pick one, and I'm kind of twofolding here because the one I'm going to be at later this year is North South Shootout. That's a a really cool event. And I'm lucky I get to work it this year, but I think it, it kind of gets amped up this year since it could not be at Concord because the property has been sold and who knows what it's going to become. They moved the race to Hickory and Hickory is probably the greatest equalizer in this area. I know as far as asphalt tracks, because the track is so rough that it's not just riding around easy going racing. The track is so darn bumpy. And it's got so much character that it, it, it produces great racing because the drivers can't just go out there and, and, and hold it and, you know, take it easy, I guess, if you will. It's such a darn challenge. And I think with the tour mods, you'll get the guys from the north. You'll get some of the guys from the south, like your Burt Myers and your Tim Browns and stuff. I think it'll kind of be the great equalizer because it's such a rough track and uh, super late models, I think, are going to be there as well. But one that's I think is a really cool one is down in Kenley, uh, at Southern National Motorsports Park, they do a Thanksgiving Classic, and it's a Sunday race, and they do – it's big late models, big super late models, and the track itself is just built for high speed. It's banked high in the corners. The straightaways have got a good tilt to them, and it's just – I mean, it's one of those asphalt tracks where you could go stand at the fence, and you're going to get your hat blown off because they're just making a lot of hay. But, I mean, there's plenty of them to choose from. Uh, Lancaster Speedway's doing 10K to win supers. Uh, Gaffney's got another 10K to win super late model show on the dirt side. Uh, there's Fall Brawl at Hickory. There's the Rodney Cook Classic at Ace where they're bringing in asphalt sprints. I don't know how much you, experience you have with those, but those, yep. even though they can't slide through the corners, they like are, the dirt, it, it can be a good show. Yeah, yeah, they they are amazing getting those cars to, to hook up on the pavement. I've seen them, uh, I believe it was at Ace Speedway actually uh, one time. Um, then I've seen videos of them uh, running Bristol. Uh, I remember, I don't know if they do it anymore, but Bristol used to do a lap challenge. And it was yeah, pretty the speed much, test. The speed test, yeah, who can run the quickest lap. And there was a guy there, and I don't know if it was a 360 or a 410, but, I mean, he was, like, down in the 12s around that track. And, uh, I mean, that's just ridiculous, uh, especially as big as the that track is. Um, the the good thing I would like to um, – that we're starting to see more is um, – some of these tracks are starting to kind of come together on the same weekend, like the uh, the Lancaster and the uh, uh, Cherokee uh, weekend. They just started that really last year, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Friday night they're running Scraven. 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 They're running Scraven, um, and then Saturday Lancaster, uh, Sunday Cherokee. All these tracks are within an hour and a half of each other, two hours. So really, for a dirt fan and being that close to Thanksgiving, you know. You, you can take Friday off of work and get to see three great shows at three very different and very unique tracks uh, all in one weekend. So um, that's always a good one. Um, this upcoming weekend, you've got the uh, the Tar Heel 50 uh, down at Tri-County, um, Ray Cook's track. Yeah, over there in the uh, western part of the state. Yeah, Brasstown. Uh, that's a good little haul, but if you're making that trip, it's still technically North Carolina. I mean, it's right there on the edge. But if you're making that trip, you know, you can dip down to the Dixie Rome doubleheader this weekend. So that's three races, you know, make it worthwhile on your trip. So uh, I like to see the tracks doing that, working together. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's good to see that one piece of advice I, th I you know what i think it'd be good to give some people advice if they don't usually go to these end of year shows there's some things that you need to do because the time of year we're in it gets colder at night when the sun goes down rule number one and and, and well, we can ping pong this rule number one a hoodie is not enough you need to if it's if it's going to be below 48 degrees remember you sit most of the time you're sitting on a cold bleacher and you're sitting there for quite a while because it's probably gonna be a longer show you need to have some kind of thermal on the bottom because you can wear that hoodie and that jacket on top as much as you please but once your legs get cold you start to get a little miserable <laughs> it's not the thermal socks ain't enough you got to have <laughs> The long johns or something on the bottom. Yes. That would be my piece of advice. Yes. Uh, I will definitely 100% with the thermals. Uh, I would say number two, gloves. Some good insulated gloves. It's harder to eat your nachos, but it is worth it. You, again, you're sitting there and you got everything warm but your hands and, you know, you can't sit on them but so much. So I would definitely go with gloves, uh, a beanie uh, to go along with the hoodie. Um anything you can um don't dress for the temperature that the track is at <laughs> when you got there when the sun was out oh yeah dress for 20 degrees cooler and your sun's gonna be going down at about 5 30 which is probably when most of these shows are starting anyway so luckily most of them do start a little earlier because of you know the coldness factor um check the track if they allow any sort of heaters there's little personable heaters uh most of the tracks i go to allow it and that is the best 20 bucks you can buy. And a little didn't propane. You, didn't you bring one in at Lancaster last Absolutely, year? Absolutely, That yes. thing was worth it. Absolutely, yes. And and you you will make a lot of friends, too, because they're, <laughs> they're wanting to huddle up with you. That's the only time people get close to you wearing a Blunker shirt. So. Real, real quick, on the cold temperature, you've got to tell the story about the world finals where oh. you had to snow delay. That is not something that usually happens. I didn't get to be there for that yes. one, and I kicked myself for not being there. T yes. Tell the snow delay story. Well, it's funny. The only track I've ever been to prior to that where snow or winter weather was ever a factor was we were on the way to Martinsville for the spring cup race, and on the way there, flurries are hitting the, the windshield, and that was pretty crazy. But, it, yeah, this one at uh, the world finals, we – I mean, it – cloud cover probably mid 40s or something like that and they usually start to show about five o'clock there at six o'clock i mean it was just a little light sprinkle rain that turned into uh just a little bit of sleet falling so they kind of paused action there that turns into flurries and then it started snowing like full I mean, blown like not, full yeah. blown it's coming down snowing and just terrible just terrible time and as the first year my mom decided to go and a friend a couple friend from their church came with us and my mom's wearing probably 18 layers of clothes and just shaking to death and they finally had to call it because i mean it was showed no signs of stopping so we kind of make our way back to the car Come back the next day. Now they have to run that program along with the regular program. And so they started in the middle of the day, and it was probably mid-50s. I mean, comfortable at that point. Mid-50s, beautiful, a beautiful double rainbow going across the racetrack. I mean, completely flip-flop. That's North Carolina weather. You know, you never you never know what you're going to get. But that's definitely the first time I've ever seen a race get snowed out around here. I was about to say, it's. Uh, there was one year we went to World Finals, and the first night it was just – it was weirdly hot. It was like 70 something. And we were sitting there in like t-shirts. We didn't have to bundle up. It was nice and fun. Uh, and then the next night, of course it rained and it was cold and all that jazz. So, oh, yeah. so you don't know what you're going to get in North Carolina. But yes. then that brings us to the next point. Yes. Concession stands. <laughs> now 
at World Finals, I will go ahead and tell you. I will tell you, God honest truth. And I'm a former part-time-ish employee of Charlotte Motor Speedway. God bless their hearts. Eat before you get there. Absolutely. It's really expensive to Absolutely. eat at World Finals. It's outside vendors, and, and they're going to sell food. But you might you need to eat before you get there and bring some snacks. Bring your own. Yes. <laughs> yes. But that got me to thinking about we've been at racetrack so long, we see – so many things but the concession stand is always like the go-to thing because at some point in the night you're going to have to eat you're going to have to get something to drink you might need a shot of caffeine if you had to work before so i kind of thought about some of the like, our favorite things or the things that we hated from concession stands <laughs> over our race fan time yes and i probably say I'm going to start off with the bad, actually. Okay. I had to go work a race at Franklin County Speedway in 2010. Franklin County Speedway, if you don't know, it was frozen in time in like 1930-something, <laughs> and it has not updated since, but the racetrack's super. I went to go get a cheeseburger, and it's like the middle of the show. I just took a little break. Went to go get a cheeseburger. Oh, that's going to be 20 minutes. I'm like, I ain't got no 20 minutes. I'm going to miss a race and a half at, at this thing. So not rule number one, you've, uh, one thing I, I do not like, you've got to have some stuff prepared. I understand if you don't have the barbecue nachos pre-prepared, <laughs> but your basic essentials like your cheeseburgers, your hot dogs, and your french fries, you got to have something pre-prepared because I do not want to be – I like the concessions, but I'm not there for that. I'm there for the race. Right. You, you got to get me in and out of that line in a decent amount of time and God forbid, don't put me behind the guy that wants to pay with a credit card. <laughs> yes. You're at a dirt track or a short track, asphalt track. We do cash. That's right. Hit the ATM. That is right. Don't hold me up in the line. If you couldn't buy your ticket with a credit card, I'm sure you ain't going to buy your hot dog with a credit card. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with process because I've seen it done right and I've seen it done horribly wrong. Uh, we'll start with the wrong, I guess, the absolute worst. And God bless them. I, I used to work at this track, but Friendship Motor Speedway in Elka, North Carolina, the the concession stand is right underneath the, uh, the announcer tower. tower. And so on the very opposite side, you know, there's your stands, you know, cars on the track. So it's already noisy standing right there. And they have two lines. One line, you give an order. They hand you a ticket, like a ticket stub. And then you move over to the left line. And you're waiting for your number to get called. And you're waiting for your number to get called. But 20 feet away from you, there's 20 race cars out <laughs> on the track. So they're yelling. And you don't know if they said six or seven or whatever. And everybody's trying to rush up there to the same time. And you always, you know, you're going to have that guy that checks his order before to make sure everything's there. And, of course, it's not. Of course so, not. <laughs> uh, and it is this terrible. And you're just getting pelted with dust the entire time. So you go back with your mustard chili slaw and dirt uh, hot dog there the worst I mean it's 30 minutes <coughs> minimum to go get your food there that's the worst setup um, the best setup and I've seen this at multiple tracks is they have it cafeteria style you go in they've got a line to have everything underneath the hot lamps got your hot dogs together hamburgers cheeseburgers so on and so forth you go through with a tray load it up and and it shows you the price right there so you already know by the time you get to the end you got fountain drinks pour your own stinking drink you ain't gotta wait for somebody to get the you know mountain dew for you and you just come through with your tray at the end boom 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 calculate it up and and you're out i mean that's a 
a, just a, a streamlined process of way of doing it. I'm gonna give you another hate on. So I went to a show, I will not name the racetrack because this is not the racetrack's fault. This is the man in front of me's fault. God bless his heart because you know something's coming. Absolutely. I am behind him in line. So I'm, I'm, I can taste my bologna burger. I don't know why we call it a bologna burger in the first place. Ain't no burger on this bologna, but side the point. I'm next in line. I'm, I'm ready to go. As soon as he steps to the left, I'm ready with my order. My man orders a cheeseburger and some fries. Pretty standard order. As they bring him the stuff to go pay, he utters the question, is this gluten-free? Wow. And I'm like, dude, know your surroundings. We don't know what gluten is. Bless your heart. I know people that have a gluten allergy and all that stuff. Bless you. But know your location. This is not downtown Durham or downtown Greensboro or downtown Charlotte where these places are grass-fed milk, non-GMO, booger-free, didn't sweat on it, didn't look at it funny. If you got a gluten allergy, bring your own snack because that racetrack is not going to be the very day, friendly. The day I see kombucha offer it at a dirt track, I'm leaving, Tyler. I'm hanging. That's not our I, kind of place. I'm finding a different uh, hobby because that's not it. I'll give I'll give a positive one. I've been I've been negative twice. I went to Fayetteville to work a fuel late model race and uh, went to go get a, a bologna burger. I still don't know why we call it a bologna burger. There's no burger on it, but. <laughs> Went to go get the bologna burger, and it was sandwich style. So it wasn't on the bun. It was just on the bread. And I got to, you know, they actually let me add cheese on it and a few other things. I don't like onions. Okay. Apparently, that's a sin. Jason Turner told me <laughs> he offered bologna burgers and didn't have onions. And, like, people got mad. Wow. And I was like, okay. I, I question people who eat bologna anyway, but go ahead. <laughs> so while I'm getting questioned, my bologna sandwich, the bread was yay long, and the bologna was out an extra half inch around yeah. Oh, yeah. and i was like yes <laughs> yes this is what i wanted more bologna than bread you don't mind paying four bucks or something like that uh at virginia motor speedway they no longer offer it but they had a pork tenderloin sandwich and very same like never seen that at a dirt track before and you go get that thing and it, it is hanging outside the buns and i mean four or five bucks i mean you could not beat it that was delicious um i've seen this at multiple tracks and i get it but it's just a nuisance and i don't understand it is the hot dog plane and you have to go oh, our condiments are over there so you get your hot oh. dog you turn around they got the pump bottle ketchup the pump bottle uh uh mustard, mustard. they've been sitting out yeah, a while yeah you might have some relish and some onions <laughs> which again i question people eat that mess anyway but I, I like your tracks who at least give you one that's plain and one that's all the way or something. Give me something. Uh, Martinsville, a good and a bad story there. A good story there, you can get it pretty much any way you want to. Mustard chili, slaw, which is my preference, whatever. You know, it's not just a plain. Bad story there. Cup race, uh, it was a fall cup race a couple years ago. Went with uh, some friends and my wife and her family and stuff. Go to get it. And I guess they'd just been going through them, burning through the hot dogs that day. And I, of course, I have to sneak out to the side to get my hot dog. Yeah, of course. And uh, so I run over there to get a hot dog and much chili. So I'll get it. And the, and the chili was just cold. <laughs> it still had the grease. It, I mean, it was a cold day. It was probably, it was probably 40 some degrees during the race. The grease had done froze on top of it. And I took a bite and threw the trash can. She went. Mm. Yeah. I'll tell you the best selling thing I've ever seen. And this is going to be a little bit different. So when I worked at Ace 2010 to 2015, 
Brad Allen would try to do an end of year show. And I've, when you get in October, it's cold. And some of them, it'd be a Saturday show. So we were there like eight, nine in the morning opening the gates because asphalt people like to get to the track early. Mm-hmm. And I forget which time it was. He was smart <laughs> enough to make like a massive Biscuitville order, yeah. like sausage biscuits, ham biscuits, uh, butter biscuits, egg biscuits, whatever. And they were selling coffee and Biscuitville biscuits at the concession stand. And to a T, those pit crew guys, the drivers, the people that's down there working, I mean, they they, they ate it to smithereens. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, that's a little something, that's a little something different at work. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, we're there in the morning. I don't want a cheeseburger at 8 o'clock <laughs> in the morning right. when I'm trying to mount tires. That's right. That's right. But uh, uh, A lot of these tracks that do the, the two-day shows or three-day shows, uh, very, very smart that they'll open the concession stands uh, in the morning do breakfast for all your campers. So you go, you know, an Eldor, a three-day show, you can go, you know, get eggs, sausage, but, you know, your breakfast food's in the morning. Very genius idea. I'll tell you one that I like the idea, but it doesn't always work. When Ace reopened with Jason and Robert Turner, they did not have the permits to do uh, – to food, to do food yet you got to you know cross your t's and dot your i's and and they were just trying to get the track open and functional so since they couldn't sell food they invited food trucks to come in and there was like five or six food trucks and on the one hand it was kind of cool because there was some kind of a little bit of variation there was a few different things and whatnot but the downside on food trucks is food is made to order none of it's pre-prepared because they just can't afford to do that right so you know, later in the year, Jason got it figured out, and when he would have food truck options, but then he would also have at the concession stand the basics. Yes. So if you wanted to try something different and cool, hey, you could. You don't mind standing in line and waiting a few minutes for it. You could do it, or if you just wanted a basic cheeseburger, hot dog, hamburger, you could get that too. I I thought that was kind of cool. I will piggyback off of that, kind of on the same token, just a little little uh, trick of the trade. If you're at a race. And they have, most places have their main concession stand, but a lot of them have a secondary place. Yeah, the side one. Your yeah. side one, if you see someone over there, especially if it's a sweet old lady with white hair, you go over there, that's the best chili you will ever have. <laughs> go, but a lot, of those, a lot of those little side bins, you know, obviously it's going to be a limited menu, but a lot of those, you know, they're either renting that spot or it's a fundraiser deal or something like that. You know, so at least your, your money's going to, uh, either way you're supporting somebody, either the racetrack or someone else. But the lines are usually shorter. Yes, it's a limited menu. You, but I guarantee you the food's going to be better, if not as good, if not better. I tell you what, if if everyone could duplicate the Martinsville hot dog, I'd never go hungry to racetrack again. <laughs> that hot dog is the same as it was when I was ten, nine years old. It's still only two dollars. You can get chili on it, and if you don't mind people looking at you funny, you can eat five, six, seven of them, and. You won't feel guilty till the next day when nature takes its course and <laughs> it's going to go somewhere. That's right. But so <laughs> that knocks out the concession stand part. Um, again, just looking to kind of this end of year stuff. And, and one thing also that comes in is you get some of your bigger stars that are looking to get another paycheck. Mm-hmm. I still remember uh race for the kids at County line back when it was ultimate supers mm-hmm. and it was 10 grand to win. And, me and Gray Pettigrew sat out there and froze our tails off. And it was, I mean, it was miserable, if not for cars on the track. And you had uh, Jackie Boggs came in from Kentucky. Chris Ferguson ran it. And, you know, sometimes you'll get lucky and you'll get those 
those big guys that come in. But if you go to World Finals yeah. at Charlotte, you get them all. You get the sprint guys, you get the late model guys, and you get the modified guys. And you get the pit pass. You can go down there and get autographs. And most of them are pretty friendly. But what's the rule, buddy? Know when to approach them. Absolutely. You got to remember these guys, they're your heroes. You watch them. You, you follow them throughout the year. You're wearing their T-shirts and stuff. But at the end of the day, they're working. And... When it's about, I'd say, within two hours of the start of the show, that's when you need to step off and let them do their job. You know, they're over there prepping tires, working on the engine, whatever. If you see them talking with crew members or whatnot, just step back. If they notice you or, or approach you, or some of them will step out of the way from the car, sign a few autographs, take, take a few pictures, then go back to work. But don't force it. <coughs> a lot of these guys will like either get there early. A lot of them do autograph sessions at their uh, merch uh, stands and, and whatnot. But just remember, they are working. Let them work. So there you go. If you didn't learn anything, learn what to wear, learn what to eat, Learn what not to do at the concession stand and learn when to not approach race car drivers. And we got that in in the first 30 minutes. Now, you and I always have to shift gears to the funny stuff. Yes. We shared some of this on episode, I think it was episode three. We were telling some kind of funny stories out of school and stuff. Not out of school, out of church. Yes. Because funny stuff sometimes it just happens and whatnot. You had a story you had told me about on text message. But I know you have to be careful about how you tell it because you... For a time, we're riding around when your dad, who we interviewed on episode two, was singing gospel, riding around on a bus. You go into these churches and stuff. You're probably easily the youngest person there. You're running the soundboard. There had to be some goofy, funny-ish, questionable stuff that happened along the way. So is there any is there any tidbit you can share oh that is PG-rated from any of these trips. Oh my goodness. I know uh, you told me a few <laughs> where the music would get in trouble and stuff. Oh yes, oh yeah. That, that, that's, that was just about every weekend it felt like, at least one of the churches. Um, some of your more staunch, strict, old school f places, and multiple denominations were like that. Um, we used tracks, so we didn't have a live band or anything, or, or someone playing the piano, so we just used tracks. and. Some of the faster, more upbeat songs, I guess, were a little too fast and upbeat for these said churches. And um, the ones that were all that you, you have to learn to entertain yourself when you're out on the road, especially when you are, you know, heavily outnumbered when it comes to the age group there. Um, the one that just always tripped me out was the anti instruments in the church as far as yeah. no electric no electric guitars or no drums good lord we did not have no drums but we could have this other gospel group Kobe to play a track on that a CD has <laughs> electric guitars and drums and a little bit quicker than 4-4 four, four timing so that one always tripped me out uh, the facial hair one that was always hilarious you really know, yeah. who in the group had the facial hair it well, wasn't your dad was it well uh, Don he had a, a goatee or something like he, he always had like some sort of facial he wasn't always clean shaven um but the just the the facial hair thing in general is hilarious because you come in we don't allow men with facial hair in here i guess women either <laughs> and, uh, and uh 
And uh, David, one time, I was very proud of him. He called the dude out because I had thought it, but he actually said it. He said, well, what about your eyebrows? You know, you don't think about stupid <laughs> stuff like that. Or uh, no stringed instruments, yet they got a piano. Well, open up the back of your piano. Guess what you see? About it's got strings. strings. You know, it's just all ridiculous stuff. Um, but, yes, the, the music, I, I was never asked to stop a uh, a particular song. A, 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 a particular song, but I was definitely asked many times to turn it down. And I have a pretty good ear for that, I, I believe. So I, I would never blare it out or blast it out in any way. Uh, but yeah, if it, if it had a little bit of speed or tempo to it, man, you better back it down some. I'll tell you the one that used to get me. And uh, I remember one time I got, I don't know, I didn't get in trouble for it, but I got, I got a little bit called out for it. So the church we grew up in was a, I call it like an amen church. Yes. When the preacher hits like a, like a, a good point, he'll, he'll kind of pause and you'll hear various men from different corners of the church. It kind of sounds like an echo. You'll hear either, amen, come on, preach it, brother. Like it's, it's kind of like the same five, six phrases. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So as a young man, I felt like, okay, that's what the men do. So I would start saying like, yeah, yes, yes, sir. And I would, you know, did it. And Tommy Richardson, I love him to death. He looked down at me and I think he thought it was because I was so into the sermon I was, but I think I was just trying to fit in. So he looked down and pointed at me with that long preacher finger and was like, that boy's got the spirit down there. <laughs> so I stood up and get a amen. And I sat back down and later I was like, I don't know why I'm repeating everybody. Like, I mean, just, you know, it's, it's a Baptist thing. But I tell you what, you do that at a Lutheran church, mm. oh, we're, we're going to have a problem. Oh, yeah. You raise your hand, they're going to tell you where the bathroom is. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> And it's all in good jazz. We, we, me and Buddy have been to all these different kinds of churches. Buddy's been to way more than I have. So I mean, yes. you just—it's funny to see the different rules that people have set up. It's it's funny, and I get everybody has their own taste and 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 dress code and music and all that stuff. And just it's when the people take it serious or they take it more important than what's. Well, we're home. there to, we're supposed you're, to be you're doing. there. I, I don't care if you got a suit on, if you got a t-shirt on. I don't care if you listen to Southern Gospel or rock and roll, whatever. As long as your heart's right and, and you know, you follow the book, I really don't care. But, yeah, it, it is funny just to see how far and people take certain things and how strict they are on their, their codes and stuff. And to me, it's, it's just funny that you're, you're more worried about that than you are about the important stuff sometimes. I'm about to say, it's, it's just some, it's, it's some crazy stuff happens. I'll tell you one where I got scared. So uh, I was in church one time, and I don't know if it was the choir or if it was like, you know, you got to have the special singing after the choir comes down before the preacher gets up there and preaches. And I, uh, I think it was that. It was, it was, I think your mom might have. Your mom and your sister were probably up there. And whatever the song was, it was it was it was hitting because mm -hmm. you had people standing up, mm -hmm. waving. Oh, you yeah. know, everybody's getting into it and stuff. And the organist, oh yeah, would let out. Oh yeah, Jeanette. Yeah, boy, she would let out these like wails. <laughs> it was like a just a scream. Oh yeah. And at fifteen, <laughs> I got concerned. I was like, oh, gee, like, like I hope like nothing bad happened to her. Like you know, she's she's a little bit older. You don't you, you know sometimes you don't know, and it would scare me in church. I, I brought a friend one night. It was a Sunday night. I think he was staying the night. It was during summertime, and uh, he came from uh, or went to a Methodist church. And so Sunday night you go to church. So we went. Um, 
we went and I, we were singing a song, choir was singing a song, something like that. Mr. Jeanette got a just a hallelujah shout going on, and when she let off that that scream, he he just froze. I mean, like he saw a ghost. He just froze, and like he wouldn't look at me. He was just staring straight up ahead, like he didn't know what in the world was going on. And you know, and to me, that's what I'm used to at that age, and that's why I'm around. So I'm like, y'all don't do that at your church. And he's like, no, apparently not. Heck no. I tell you, the biggest culture shock I got. So I come from Baptist. It's it's funny. My, my parents are divorced, and my mom was Baptist, and my dad was Lutheran. So it was such a it was such a opposite ish. You know, Baptist is fire and brimstone, and, and you know we're you know we're calling it down. And when I would go to my dad's church, the Lutheran church, it's it's very orderly. It's very this is what we do here. Communions every Sunday, whereas mm -hmm. you know, the, the Baptist church it wasn't. Yep. And I remember. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Say it anyway. Bro. So the Lutheran church, <laughs> unlike the Baptist church, when they did communion, they didn't use no juicy juice. Oh, yes. They used wine. And I mean, it wasn't much. It was a tiny little cup. So I wanted to have communion. I didn't want to just have, you know, in Lutheran church, if you're not old enough or you choose not to take part, the preacher will, will play, uh, place his hand, hand over your yeah. face and he'll give you a blessing mm -hmm. and stuff. I wanted to, to get communion. I wanted to try the wine. And I get up there, I think I'm 15 or something, and I'm fresh-faced. I, I, looking back, I'm not going to fool nobody, especially him. And I get up there, and I have my hands cupped like, you know, let me receive. If, cause I feel like if I get the bread, I'm going to get the wine. Oh, yeah. I have my hands like this, and they gave me the bread. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, man, I'm halfway there. <laughs> They're coming around with a cup of wine. And here comes the preacher, and he kind of just like gives me a quick look. Yeah. And while my hand is cupped, he puts his his <laughs> hand on my face, gives me the blessing, and the wine person just knew to pass me by. And I was like, "Dang it, man! <laughs> oh, I, man. I missed my shot." <laughs> I, a good friend of mine, uh, growing up, he was uh, uh, they went to an Episcopalian church, and uh, same thing they do. Um, communion every sunday but everybody drinks out of the same cup so yeah the catholics do that too. yeah it's just like a big saucer deal and everybody drinks out of the same cup so you go um you know you go up same thing and if you don't want it you, you cross your arms on your chest and if you did you know you put your hands out like in a cup formation in front of you and get your bread get your wine well the first couple of times you know i'm bad this we're anti-anything alcohol and uh they skip right over the jesus turning water into wine uh, but hang on buddy i've got to pause you real quick yes. so we're out here on the porch filming this <laughs> Buddy's dog is down in the yard <laughs> taking a bite out of a fake flamingo. <laughs> down in his wife's down in his wife's garden. But Buddy's gonna go get the dog out of the garden. <laughs> I just I'm so ADD. I got distracted. Fido is he did now. I will give credit. He did not take a bite out of the flamingo. He just took. He was chewing on it. Buddy's got to reset the flamingo now. <laughs> You would only get this on the Half Price Concessions podcast. And now, as Buddy resets the flamingo, the dog is, well, the dog's getting drug away from the flamingo. Poor Fido. He won't He won't take the chew toy. I guarantee he's back on the flamingo by the time Buddy sits back down and talks for a minute. So we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about Love radio. At, up at the communion yes, and so, you've got to yes. cross your arms. So we're crossing arms if you uh, don't want it. And they you know just put the hand on the forehead, give you the blessing. And then... Uh, 
if you want it, you kind of cup your hands or whatnot. So, of course, I've, I've been raised anti-alcohol, nothing, even in the church. So, anyway, I finally, about the third or fourth time I got there, got the gumption, all right, I'm going to go for it. So, I go up there, and I get the uh, the bread, and you're kind of in the line. It's almost like they're just, you know, servicing you on down through the line. And the lady beside me, she bends down, and the um, priest or preacher, uh, whatever, they tilt the cup up for you. You know, you take a little drink, wipes it off, next guy comes in. So she's there and he starts doing that and he slips and, oh. and she takes a mouth. I'm just gulps it down and whatnot. And they had to help her. I mean, she was a little old lady. They had to help her up and back to the seat. And so I got in front of, after witnessing all that, the arms are crossed, bro. Yep. <laughs> We're not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to take my chances, but yeah, she, she probably left the church half south there. Oh boy. I'll tell you the one that made me feel the most bad. So there was, uh, there was many a Sunday where my top priority was I need to get out of here as soon as it's over because the race comes on at one. <laughs> yes. And that was me and my grandpa's thing was we, we watched every race. And back then, unlike today, it was like Sunday at one o'clock from February to November is going to be a race on except mm -hmm. for like Bristol and one of the night race maybe. Yeah. And I used to do the sneak out. Oh, yeah. I would sit toward the back and when the preacher would be given the final kind of prayer before he scampers to the back to shake people's hands, I would sneak on out the back and beat the crowd out of the parking lot so I could get back uh, to the house to watch the NASCAR race. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better about that. I, I realize there's, there's things more important than watching the NASCAR race, but it's kind of just one of those things at the time that I did that I'm just like, hmm. You should have been a little more focused on what was most important, but we ain't going to miss because Rusty Walls is starting fourth today. Daytona 500 Sunday, man. It's the first race. Everybody's all excited. And they start that one like on time, 1230. Church is usually about 12, 1215. My dad would park on the side parking lot, nose out, like facing out, ready to go. And, I mean, it said amen. All you saw was, you know, heels and elbows from us. And we would get in the car, jump in to take off, you know, to get home in time. We would drive separate. Mom, you go get the food. Me and Dad's got to be there for the green flag lap with the Daytona 500. I'm not going to lie. Like, when I was from, from my childhood through my teenage years and into my early 20s, I think what made me a bigger fan of wanting to watch the race on Sunday on TV was because – I was always at a race the day before. It was like when I played football, like I wanted to always watch football on TV. Like the Thursday night game, mm -hmm. we would, when I played in college, we would go watch high school games on Friday if we weren't traveling. We would play our game on Saturday. If you got home in time, you'd watch the Saturday night. Like when you're participating mm -hmm. in it, it made you more interested. But when I went through that six year period where I didn't go to any races because I just, I'd lost a little interest. My grandpa died, yeah. and I was playing high school football. I was not as interested on Sundays, and now I kind of realized that was being at A-Speedway every Friday, and then we would rotate our Saturdays between Orange County, South Boston, New River Valley, Caraway. That made me more diehard on Sundays to watch. Yeah. Did you ever feel like that? Because at, at that time, you were still diehard NASCAR on yeah. Sundays. Yeah, um, yeah. For me, it really started when um, – when I really started playing baseball, actually, because um, uh, my dad, most people get their sports, you know, I'm not say abilities, but their interest in sports or who they pull for, who their favorite team. It's usually a hereditary thing, you know, whoever my dad pulled for, my grandpa pulled for, whatever. Well, my dad, if he didn't have headers in the four speed, he didn't care about it. And he's just 
didn't know much about it and just didn't care about baseball, football, stuff like that. So, you know, elementary school, all my buds start playing baseball and, hey, what's this? You know, I have some interest in my coach after the very first practice, you know, and he's teaching me the basic basics. And he said, watch it. Every time, every chance you get a chance, uh, every time you get a chance to watch a game, watch it and just pick up on what they're doing, learn the vernacular and all that kind of stuff. So Fox Saturday baseball, man, every game that was, you know, we didn't have VSP and stuff back then. So that was the only time I really could watch a game is uh, Fox Saturday baseball, I'd watch it and I learn and so on and so forth. And, and that grew my interest as well as my knowledge. And with the racing stuff, man, I remember as a kid, I would, uh, I don't know if they still do this or not, but I grabbed the newspaper and they would show the punk <coughs> standings for uh, a speedway and all the four classes. And I'm keeping up. I'm doing the math myself. I'm like, okay, if he finishes here, you know, next Friday, you know, he'll move up that kind of thing. Um, the NASCAR stuff, I was, again, you know, we only had the basic channels and stuff. So I listened to a lot of races and I would sit there and just in my room, listening to MRN, MRN, PRN, uh, whenever the time came to have the PlayStation stuff, I'm throwing in NASCAR 98, listening to it and doing it at the same time. And, and yes, the, the, uh, entertainment side, uh, how you access it and being involved with it absolutely makes you more of a fan and, and you just want as much as you can get, you know, you're just craving it all the time. We'll pivot back to something. I probably, I should have brought this up when we were talking about the race and stuff, but now I can pivot back to it. One more thing that you get at the big end of year shows, unless unless you're hard of hearing or you put plugs in, you are going to hear an announcer talking for quite a long time. <laughs> so with the time we have left, let's go into things that we, because we we are long time fans. I'm an I'm an announcer myself, so I know a lot of these will apply to yes. me sometimes. Things that we want in race announcers at these events, and things we don't want. Yes. So maybe maybe we'll do like like one of each and we'll, we'll trade it off. So I, I'll I'll let you start. One thing you want, one thing you don't want. What you don't do, I'll do. Uh, okay. Uh, what I uh, don't want is you talking during the ra during green flag action. Unless I understand uh, if your race is being broadcasted and you have to, you know, if it's on the radio or something like that. But if it ain't being broadcasted, can't nobody hear you, man. Just t just don't talk while the race is going because if you're saying something that i might be interested in well i just missed out on it uh one thing i do want every i don't know five ten laps give me the top five and give me how many laps are left that's just keep keep that going because if you're at a, a you know your main event you got 24 cars out there and they've had a 30 lap you know green flag run guys in lap traffic and it's sometimes it's hard to keep up with it so tell me who my top five is Tell me what lap we're on. Tell me how many laps we got left, and just continue doing that throughout the race. That's two good ones. I tell you, one I don't want. I don't want you screaming. <laughs> I don't want to hear you through the bullhorn screaming. I understand. Not all our tracks we're at are blessed with great speakers. It's it's one of the least less important things to a track operator. I understand that. I do not want to hear you scream. I don't want you blowing my eardrums out. One of the things Brad Allen used to tell me at Ace was. He said, I want to be able to tell if it's getting exciting or not by the tone of your noise, of your voice, not so much your volume. Mm -hmm. So if you're at a track, like A-Speedway is a great example because they have uh, regular speakers instead of bullhorns where um, you, in some cases you can hear the announcer you know, with the green flag action. 
I don't want you screaming. That take that's that's gonna take away from my fun. Unless there is a two hundred car pileup, then you can scream <laughs> yes. and you're justified. I don't like you screaming. Yes. What I do want. This is a pet peeve of mine. I hate when they only use the last name. I'm just. I come from that broadcast school of Lenny Baticki taught me this at Charlotte. He said you need to talk as if you're talking to someone who is at their very first race. And the majority of people that are going to be there, especially these end-of-year shows, are your diehards. They know who's out there for the most part. But as an announcer, I like to hear the first and last name because mm -hmm. sometimes you do get duplicate last names. Mm -hmm. And sometimes at asphalt races, lap traffic gets in the way, and it's hard to tell who's positioned and who's not sometimes. If you've been looking back at the battle for eighth and you look up front and there's a 10 different cars up there. So first and last names when you're announcing and I can hear you, but I hate the screaming. I hate, and I did it early in my career. And now I'm telling you, I hate the screaming. If you can't tell me what's important without screaming, you need to go sit in the stands. I cannot stand a screaming announcer. Are we doing more than one of these? Sure, go, okay. yeah, go <laughs> give another one. Uh, don't, don't hype up boring action. That so now that's a tough one. But I, I will sympathize on that one. Don't. Okay, well, th I'm talking about like you're saying with the screaming or, or or building it up more. Man, the dude's two seconds behind. If he knocked off a tenth of a second that lap, it's not. You know, he's not gonna be on his tail the next lap. If you know, if you got eight cars out there left running at the end, just don't hype it up. Don't. If you got you know the group qualifying or whatever the case may be, just. Be calm, be chill. We can see what's going on. So when you tell me, oh my goodness, how did he make that pass? And the guy pulled over and he just <laughs> let him by, you know. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't hype it up because then then you're you have that realization like, man, this ain't really that great of a show going on right now. Uh do do your research and have neat stats or uh, just little um information about certain drivers um when there's a break in action under caution if you know this guy's leading be like you know this uh he's won x amount races this year or he finished you know this spot in the points just give us some information because at these end of the year shows like like we talked about earlier you're going to have you know a very diverse crowd of cars there so if it's the same you know weekly guys then yes i you know know a lot about him but if somebody shows up from georgia that i've never heard of or you know i've never seen run or something like that you know tell me some cool information about them because that's how you you know you want to learn you know you want to expand your your knowledge on different drivers and um kind of grows for and it also gives you greater appreciation for what you're witnessing or like you know i uh, very quick story um first time ever i saw scott blunquist run arguably one of the best late model racers ever um cool paint scheme that's what drew me drew him to me first and i had heard of him but didn't know much about him and uh the driver's just like spitting off all his stats how many races he won this year you know he's uh you know however many time uh have a tampa champion all this stuff and so if i never saw scott bloomquist race again and all that he's accomplished since then i can look back and say you know tell my kids one day or tell a friend one day i got to see scott bloomquist run at 311 speedway one time you know yeah yeah give us give us good information we can use i'll give you a don't to kind of close it out on if you are announcing you are getting paid to hold the microphone and make noise during the cautions sometimes during the green flag if your events being streamed do not cheerlead <laughs> i've been doing this 10 years i cannot stand a cheerleading or race announcer the unbiased I, announcer <laughs> I, I understand because i've been there there are some guys you like more than others i perfectly understand that because you just as you do this and you work with people you develop relationships 
with some drivers that you just don't develop with others. That's perfectly understandable. I'm, I'm still that way to this day. There's some drivers that I can sit there and we can have a 20 minute conversation in the pits if we're not looking at time and it's, you know, that's fine. Other guys are a little more private or they're a little more busy. You're not going to have those same conversations or relationships. I totally get that. But when you are calling green flag action and you are actively cheerleading for a driver during said green flag action, that's not what I want. I'm there more times than not. I don't have a driver to pull for any shows. I'm just there to see if a great show breaks out, but racing in general entertains me. Do not cheerlead while you're announcing. Turn the mic off and cheerlead or go sit in the stands and cheerlead. I cannot stand the cheerleading race announcer who is so hyped when someone's passing for seventh and then they're like, oh, by the way, a, a battle for the lead. Like, there's no, you know, be excited about anything that's happening out there. Yes, Buddy Payne. Just a very quick one to add. All this right. is a combo do and don't. Do not talk with have a private conversation while the microphone is hot and i guess the inverse of that is don't talk uh or uh, if you're talking you assume know, your mic is assume, hot assume the mic is hot all the time if there's no action going on on the track mic off keep the mic off because people not knowing that the mic is hot i've heard quite some stories yeah <laughs> all these races i f words get dropped oh, yeah. <laughs> are you talking trash about said driver or something so if you are not talking microphone off and keep your phone keep your keep you know what <laughs> johnny gibson does it great and this is inside baseball you you wouldn't know this unless you're in the tower with him but johnny gibson the world of outlaws uh sprint car announcer wears a headset and johnny he's got a ton of notes in front of him on his laptop He's got just that vision that he has. That's why he's one of the best in the business. But Johnny also has a what we call a mute box. And he has a button that he'll push. If he has nothing to say or he needs to like kind of catch his breath for a second, he'll he'll mute it. He will not take that chance on kind of something being said in the background mm -hmm. by someone who's there working but is not doing his job. Yes. And I, I remember seeing him do that three or four years ago when I worked with him at Charlotte. And it was just one of the things where I was like, that's something that if I had the money and the equipment to do that I would have because I don't need to hear you breathing on the wireless mic. I don't need to hear your casual conversation. It's not what I'm there for. So, hey, and if I sound, if we sound nitpicky with this, that's because we've been going to races for 26, 27, we 28 get to races. <laughs> we get to be. Yeah. And the ones we're, we're not at, we're watching on Dirt on Dirt or Dirt that's Vision right. or, that's right. you know, streaming services and then you hear all the backroom conversation and even if you think we're complaining <laughs> these are we if, if you think these are complaints we're still going to go to the races yeah we love it we just want to see little bitty things change so it makes it a better experience for everybody absolutely yes, well, buddy it is a pleasure as always, always my man and man i'm i'm Man, the, the part about your dog eating a flamingo is kind of funny. We're going to keep that in there. Yeah, but, that should uh, be the name of the, uh, of the podcast. Yeah. The, the, or the name of the episode. Dog eating dog flamingo. Dog eats flamingo. But uh, yes. I appreciate it, brother. Yes, sir. You have a good one. All right, bud. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Half Price Concessions podcast. Special thanks going out to my co-host and my good buddy, Mr. Buddy Payne, for being my right-hand man and the guy who inspired this thing from the start. Thank you, buddy. Thank you as well to Roger Johnson and Performance Center Racing Warehouse for reaching out and showing us some love as well. 
Be sure to follow us on Spotify by searching for Half Price Concessions Podcast so you can hear when new episodes get uploaded. And Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, maybe we'll get on some more platforms as time goes on. But for now, Spotify is the first one to let us in, and we're thankful to them for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to any of our episodes. And if this happens to be the only one, I appreciate you listening from the bottom of my heart. If you have comments, questions, concerns, or suggestions for future shows, you can email them directly to me at twilliamsannouncing at gmail.com. I promise, even if it's something negative and you don't like the show, I'll at least respond. But thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.